Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School Podcast. This is episode 92. Do I have a guest for you today? My guest, she is one of the most badass warriors I know. She is a ultramarathon runner, a social entrepreneur. She's a mom, a wife, a business owner. Oh, she's so many things. She's uh, one of the funniest women I know uh, and one of the coolest chicks to sit down and have a conversation with. Uh, We spoke for well over an hour when we recorded this podcast and I'm so excited to bring you this episode. I wanted to talk about some really juicy stuff around uh, discipline and grit and hard work and pivoting and adaptability and strategy and success and focus. Uh, And I was like, I know how I'm going to get on. I'm going to get on Samantha Gash because this woman has so much heart, grit, and intelligence. This woman has done some of the most amazing things with her physical body and has uh, overcome some really big challenges mentally. So I want to read you some of her feats, some of the physical and mental feats that she has overcome. Samantha was a corporate lawyer And then she turned into an endurance athlete, (laughs) just like a superhero. And she is kind of a superhero. Once you hear, you know, her story and what she's done with her, uh, with her body, she's, she is a superhero. So she was a corporate lawyer. She is now this endurance athlete, but she's so much more than that. She is a social impact entrepreneur. She's a mom to Harry, uh, a wife, uh, a business owner. She co-founded Her Trails with uh, Beck Wilcock. And Her Trails is a female trail and adventure platform and holistic running program, which is super cool. And we talk about that in the podcast episode. So she was the first woman to finish one of the world's toughest ultra marathon events. She's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for charity. And let's let's talk a little bit about some of her feats. Uh, We don't dive into her story in the podcast episode, but we do dive into a lot of juicy topics. So I wanted to uh, put some of her feats in this intro so you can, uh, yeah, get a little bit of context of, you know, this woman... You know, when she talks about heart, grit, uh, hard work, uh, you know, success, plans, strategies, she knows what she's talking about. Let's have a look at what she's done. So she's the first female and youngest person to complete uh, the four deserts Grand Slam in one calendar year. She's run uh, across the Simpson Desert in Australia, which was 379 kilometers solo. She did a 77-day run from the west to east of India. She's raised close to $200,000 to support six education initiatives through World Vision. She's the co-founder of Freedom Runners, 
raising $50,000 for social enterprise business that will employ and train young women in South Africa on women's health issues. And now she started her trails with co-founder Beck Wilcock. And we get into talking about her trails. And that was the podcast that I had the pleasure of being invited on to talk about uh, training with our cycles and female physiology. So today on the podcast, Sam and I talk about a little bit about her story. Uh, She shares, she's a great storyteller. So she'll share a lot of stories uh, and learnings that came out of those stories. We talk about her limiting belief how to overcome the stories we tell ourselves that often stop us from doing the work. Uh, We chat about the key skills we need to have a successful training practice, the importance of creating a strategy, so a training plan and a training strategy. And then we talk about this thing that she says, which is like the next best plan, you know, this, this plan B being able to have agility, being able to pivot and be adaptable uh, when things don't go to plan to help us move forward. And I really love this concept. And I also love something else that she says. And she says often, if you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done before. And I think this is really powerful. And this woman has done, you know, a lot of things that she's never done before. uh, And she's gotten results. And so thinking about your training, you know, if you want to do something that you've you know, never had uh, or you want to achieve something that you've never had, you have to do something that you've never done before. We also talk about working with our physiology and training with our cycle. And then we, we link it into her work now uh, with her trails. And it's such a great conversation. You know, Sam and I talked for well over an hour. She's one of the coolest chicks I know. And she's doing such amazing work in the, the running space, uh, but also, you know, with, with charity and her work that she does uh, through her foundations. Okay, Warrior Woman, I really hope you enjoy this very real uh, and funny conversation with Samantha Gash and I. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard and we should all feel strong and confident. So this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. The next best plan or like pivoting or shifting or, but I wanted to start with the story that we tell ourselves because often we'll go on this journey and we'll start something new and all these external obstacles can come up and with like effort and planning we can like move through them 
But what I have found, what stops us is the story that we tell ourselves about how hard it's actually going to be. Yeah, or how hard it does become. Yes. Mm. So I would love for you to speak a little bit about, well, one, I would love for you to share like when you first started like running and maybe even now, maybe it's a story that, you know, that's your one big powerful story that comes up that can be a limiting belief. But would you share like some of the oh, mate, stories? You, you ask any question, I'll answer it. You direct, you, and then we'll just riff. Like I'll, I'll go anywhere. Okay. Well, yeah. I want to know one of the biggest stories that you tell yourself. Yeah, 100%. Got it. You want to know now? Yeah, you're going to tell me? <laughs> oh, yeah, that I'm not strong enough. Like that I'm not physically strong enough. Yeah, it's manifested in some interesting ways. and I've got some stories behind it. Okay, would you love to share? Oh, do you want to know now? Are we recording now? Okay, well, we, we can start again and then we can record. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... Like, no, that's okay. Okay, I'm going to take off my sweater here because it's hot in here because I got the heat pumped up because we're about, we're coming into um, winter here. That is so funny. I thought you were just like having a bit of a chat with me before we go, went, sorry. And oh, I was like, mate, I'll go wherever you want to go. Just ask the question. <laughs> that was so special. So special. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. the way that I just like to start them organically. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Well, tell me that next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> All right, we're going to start right now. We're laughing, but that's okay because we had this very awkward, organic start to our podcast conversation. Um, but It's so funny because I do love the organic start, but then I'm so used to people signaling, okay, starting or doing like this intro and so, like, I always kind of, it's like when someone takes a photo and they take it by surprise and I, or if you, like, you're in this really organic moment, you're like, take the photo now. Take the photo now. <laughs> Don't pose us. Just take it now. Yeah. Amy, tell me we're rolling. Tell me we're rolling. Okay, well, we're rolling. <laughs> we're starting. Okay. Okay. Um, so I was just saying to Sam, like, this is going to be the highlight of my week that I get to share this time with her because we're going to talk about a few of our like favorite topics. We're going to talk about personal story, uh, limiting beliefs, grit, taking ownership, creating our next best plan. Um, and then I'd also like to finish on a bit around female physiology. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Love that. Juicy, juicy topics. Perfect. <laughs> Juicy for um, early in the morning for you. Okay, so I really would love to start with the story that we tell ourselves. And the reason why I want to start there is because through my work, what I found is that when we start a journey or we start something new, we can have these external obstacles, you know, that, that come up, but with effort and planning, we can move through them. But what I have found is that it's the story that we tell ourselves that can stop us uh, mm -hmm. or... Uh, yeah, just kind of pull us up. That's a big roadblock for us. So I would love uh, just to riff on that and for you to share uh, because you've done amazing things with your body and mind <laughs> and mm. 
I'm sure that there have been many stories that have come up. Um, so I think my big question to kick it off is, what is like your one powerful limiting belief, this one story that comes up in your mind all the time? Oh, this is such a good topic because not only do I experience it, I'm now seeing in other people as a coach and it makes me reflect on my stories as well because um, we all have the stories and typically they've been told to us by ourselves or possibly reinforced by other people from when we're quite young. Uh, we don't let them go even when we become the adulthood version of ourselves and we should be relinquishing it. So mine, it's two part. The first thing is like I'm not good at sport and specifically it's I'm not strong enough in my body. Like I do believe I'm strong in the mind. I really believe that. But I don't think that I'm strong in my body, particularly in my upper body. Um, and it's not as relevant in endurance running, but I've also transitioned into adventure racing and it's tripped me up multiple times, as well as like this belief that I lack coordination. Um, and let me tell you some stories around it because it's, it's so amazing because it is, it's not a physical belief. It's a mental belief that impacts my physical ability. Um, oh, and so, I love that. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, it's so like, oh, I have some crackers um, because it's <laughs> stories of how it's played out. Um, so when I was a kid, I was incredibly non-sporting and maybe that's, that was truth. Like um, that's very short. I mean, I still am today. I'm, I'm under five foot. <laughs> That has not changed. Um, that is not a narrative. That is truth. <laughs> that is pure fact. That is fact. Um, I really love when someone's like, oh, you're so short. And I'm like, oh, I did not know that. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm under five foot. Like, I'm petite in frame. And when it came to school sport, like, I just couldn't pull it together and I don't know, well, you're Australian, you know this, like when you um, you spent a lot of time in Australia, like a lot of your social currency is tied up into your abilities in a schoolyard and it's reinforced by, you know, sporting activities called the schoolyard pick where the sports teacher will select two captains and they pick their team one at a time. And so it goes like from perceived strongest to most popular student to perceived weakest, least popular student. And then that's the narrative you get. I'm least populist, I'm least popular and I'm also the weakest. And maybe I am not popular because I'm weak. And I was always that. I was one of the last two kids on multiple, multiple occasions standing in that line with everyone looking at you. Firstly, they're all thinking, oh, I'm so happy that's not me. Or they're thinking, oh, they're really weak. Oh, they're not cool. Mm. Um, and sometimes I remember I would be like the last kid selected and there was an odd number of students in the class. And so I had that royal pleasure of selecting my own team. And I was like, oh, so great. I get to select a team of people who no one wants me to belong to. So for me, it wasn't I'm bad at sport. I'm physically not strong. I'm uncoordinated. It was more you don't belong. So that's kind of how my physicality has tied up into my sense of belonging in the world. I work this out without a shrink, P.S. Like yeah. I did it all on my own. <laughs> you probably did it on your own while you were running thousands and thousands of kilometres. Yeah. And it's because also when you really understand your strength 
and you don't use it to as an excuse, you can use it as a super tool, a superpower tool. So that's where reflection can become really good. So I know this about me. It can, it can be either. In any moment, I can use this as my weakness or I can use it as my armor for strength. It's like a conscious decision now. Um, and so let's now talk about the adulthood version of me and how it's still manifested. Like we can go back to how I then got into running and then started running across the world. But more interestingly, in recent years, I've done adventure racing. And um, I did this race. It was called the world's toughest race. It was a 700-kilometer um, adventure race where you're in a team of four and it was in Fiji. And with these races, you know nothing. Like you know you're going to at some point do hiking slash running um you're going to do kayaking you're going to do stand up paddle boarding you're going to do abseiling you're going to do mountaineering you're going to do mountain biking like you're going to do all these disciplines but you never know when you're going to do them how long they're going to be and you basically get given a map and the first couple of legs and then once you get to the checkpoint you'll get the next couple of legs and the next couple of maps so it's like the ultimate test of the unknown and how to a team of four people manage themselves in that environment it's deliciously amazing and i love it but there's a lot of adventure racing that has a lot to do with like upper body strength and obviously strength of mind and i'm i often race in a team with three guys who are all over six foot um and we all carry our own packs now i'm pretty stubborn about carrying my mandatory gear and as much as I can. And then the guys might carry some of the extra stuff, but per body weight, like I'm carrying far more percentage of my body weight on my back than the guys are um, probably for the duration of the race. And it's just what I have to do. But in the preparation to this world's toughest race, I was in a, in a different team. We got selected to do this race under a team of two girls and two guys. And one of the guys was my husband and I remember at one point in this race, we had to carry a kayak over our head on the road for like seven Ks. And I just couldn't do it. Like I actually could not do it. And I remember like lifting this kayak and I just, I don't know, it was like three quarters into the race, hadn't slept. This was only like a two-day race, but it was like fast and hard, like power. I'm like a diesel engine. Give me something long and let me adapt and I'll go forever but if you ask me go hard and fast quick like that does impact you know that kind of more strength of body and I couldn't do it and so in the end I got on a bike and like rode ahead and like our crew member carried like the kayak with my other teammate so a legal move we already had deep we already had kind of unranked ourselves because we didn't find a checkpoint so we just did that we were like this is a training race but I remember thinking, oh, my God, like my here is a prime example of how my weakness in my upper body has totally let down the team because I need to carry my fair share. Even if my fair share isn't equal, my fair share. Um, now, that team member ended up not wanting to race with me afterwards. She basically, she exited herself and like her other mate in the team, so the team of four, were out of it. They're like, we just don't think you're strong enough. Um, and they said they didn't think my husband would get through three days of the race. So they saw us as the weakest links, um, which is so funny because my husband's like an SAS troop commander. Um, he doesn't serve anymore, but I'm like, hey, he did selection. Like he can do a, you know, he can do a 10 day race, <laughs> but people don't see it because they're like, unless I can see it from the world in which I live in, I can't see your strengths from a parallel world carry over. And that's the key. We all have demonstrated strength in alternate universe alternate 
experiences that can carry through to you into another arena. But if they're not like for like, we don't trust that. We don't back that as a similar enough experience for it. Like mothers, you know, they're everyday problem solvers. They're incredibly strong to carry like a 12, 13 kilo sleeping baby, you know, up a flight of stairs in an awkward position whilst holding a bag of groceries, but they don't see that as capable for them to then do a 21.1 kilometer run on the trails that has hills. Like they don't see it. Um, And I definitely didn't see the strength that I had gathered from my past life to equip me to mentally believe that I could do it to then help my physical lack of experience but to match it a bit better. Anyway, I had a new team. We did the race. I did a bunch of F45 leading into it. And I didn't need much physical upper body training, even with F45, to build enough robustness to back myself again. And with the right team, we had an incredible race. And I physically carried a lot. Um, I was strong on the bike and all these things. So I guess there's so many ways I can tell this incredibly long story. But what I'm saying is like, even in my adulthood, with all the things that I've done, I still have limiting beliefs about my own physical body that will stop me in my tracks at times, particularly if I'm not surrounded by people who believe in me also. And when they start to tap back into my old story, that's when it starts to shine a light. And so you can't always control the external influences. They're going to be people who don't believe what you can do, but you have to find your people to get affirmation if you require it, but then you have to be your own affirmation as well. Yeah, there, there are so many things in that. But when you're speaking, what a big thing that comes up for me is, well, what does strong even mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. what is like our perception of strong, of strength? Because there are many different kinds of strong. Yeah, so if, to watch what you do in your practice, that's strong. That's strength to, mm-hmm. to run that far. And, and then I, you know, and then to see, yes, someone lift a lot of weight, that's strong. And I think where we get stuck in the story of like, this is what strength should be. And I should be able to do that, or I should be able to do it all. Um, and it, 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 we can't do it all. You know, a lot of us have a practice. We train in a way we become specialists in that practice. And when you become a specialist or you do one thing a lot, it's really hard to be very good and very strong at um, everything. I mean, I know that short and fast is an area that's like, I don't cultivate that type of training as much, but particularly when I'm training for a, a run across the country, like it might, be incorporated because I, I do holistic training. So obviously my sessions will have speed and intervals and hills. Um, and I now go to the gym a lot more. Uh, and I do a lot of like CrossFit style workout and, you know, resistance style training, but I'm still training to have that diesel engine because that's what my sport demands of me. But sometimes the way I build up the diesel engine is to take it to capacity um, so I, I can't always afford to run for five, six hours at a time. So how do you simulate fatigue? You can do it in a shorter period of time. So it's actually becoming a mother that has tapped and unlocked probably the speed and the power. Like I remember the first time I did a ball slam, like, yeah, like my boyfriend at the time was a PT and he said, I look like a ballerina doing it. Cause I'd be like, Oh, and he's like, get some aggression. And I'm like, 
And I didn't have aggression like in me because I'm so used to like, if you tell me to do an effort, I'll sustain that effort that I could do it forever. And so like I do like, a, you know, my husband and I will each get me on the salt bike and then our trainer will be like, okay, I want you to go for, uh, she might be like, I want you to go for 40 cal. And I will keep the exact same pace, like the entire time my watts will be the same. And then my husband will go out way too hard and then he'll back it in and then he'll need a bit of encouragement to like amp it up a little bit, but I'll just stay at 60 the whole time. And it's just so interesting. Like there's two ways to skin, there's multiple ways to skin a cat and it's nice to play into your different sources of like energies that you have. And like, yeah, I've got to admit like being, a, I can be a long-term mongrel, but I sometimes need to become like the saber-toothed tiger. Yeah, <laughs> you need to turn into the tiger. I need to be the tiger. I'm a mongrel instead. <laughs> um, so on the story piece, I'd love to know, you know, you're doing, you're coaching now and you have her trails and you have all of these female athletes. I would love to know how do you help them move through their internal narrative or their stories that they tell themselves that are stopping them from maybe starting or that are stopping them from, you know, maybe getting out for their run or stopping them consistently uh, training. I think firstly, like with her trails, we have Beck and I, and we're both so different. And I think it's so helpful for us because we can connect to different stories of women. And as a coach, like you can, you can hear it all, but it is quite powerful to have been in those shoes in some area of your life. It might not be in, in training. It could be in trying to learn how to cook or in like trying to learn to do something new. So as coaches, we're both people that keep trying to push the boundaries in new arenas all the time. So we're both are constantly familiar with being a beginner. Um, and I think that's the key thing. Like we're used to seeing, we're used to ourselves being the beginner and we know that awkward, uncomfortable, but sometimes the more credentialed you get in a certain area, the scarier it is to become a beginner again. And a lot of the women who do our courses are professional women who are kick-ass in their everyday life. And then they come to do our program because they want to be able to run on trail. And then in the first week, we get them to do all this strength and mobility work. And it is that that scares them the most. Or asking them to run at a different level when they're so used to running the same pace all the time. And so in the first week, it's a really a baptism of fire. And I had a, um, a, a lady in our last group who wrote me a, an incredibly emotional email saying to me, how dare you, how dare that session be so hard? You said this is for beginners. Um, and this was a mobility session, which we, we, got, we scheduled for you to repeat multiple times in the first month. And she's like, I need to let you know, it's really important in my everyday life. I stand up for what I believe in. I'm telling you that this program is not for me because that was too hard for me and you missold me something. So straight away I read it and the first thing you think is, oh, I've done a disservice to someone. Like I haven't prepared her. I haven't built her up. Like as coaches, you really want everyone to be riding the ride and then you remember that is a part of the ride. Part of the ride is coping and dealing and managing and pushing past the baggage that you build into that new experience. <laughs> and so I call, I, I was like, can I call you? 
And then, um, and we do online programming. I think a lot of people are shocked when we will just pick up the phone and go, let's, let's have a call. Like let's have a conversation. We have a very active Facebook community group, but we will pick up the phone and call. And I was like, just let her talk. And it was like, a bullet at a gate, always bullet at a gate, bull at a gate and a bullet out of a gun. Yeah. <laughs> like story, 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 defense, anger at Beck, all this kind of stuff. And I listened and I just said, you know that any time you do something for the first time, like it's going to be hard, right? I go, when's the last time that you've done mobility work specific for runners? She's like, well, I've been doing yoga for the last six months. And I'm like, yoga. And specific mobility work is totally different. In fact, mobility work is the mind. Oh, it's, it's the little incremental things. It, it's probably the most like neuro pathway development out of everything we're asking you to do. And I know we've asked you to do it on week one, but you are going to repeat this and each time. And there was more excuses. And in the end, I was just like, you need to stop the excuses. If you want to be in this, if you want to be a better runner, you need to stop the excuses and just try and stop expecting yourself to be like the master before you even kind of like itched your way into it. And I got for fan, she kind of didn't meet me on the conversation, but what I've learned over time is like, I'm not doing the right thing as a coach. If I don't one, listen to your story, I don't validate you that it's okay to have your story, but then also for me to not tell you you're strong and capable and have enough grit to move beyond your story and work with it. And so it's kind of like a threefold process. And like I remember speaking to our, to our EA, our Lizzie, our like right-hand woman at her trails, and she's like, oh, there's a lot of people that probably just would have like listened to her and gone, maybe this program isn't for you. Maybe like you're just not ready for it. But I actually believe everyone is ready to do whatever the fuck they want to do, but they actually have to be in it to do it. Yes. So, yeah. Like I just, I am, I am living proof. I am that you can do things beyond your past experiences. Like I went from running 5Ks, pretty shit, to running <laughs> like literally within a year and a half for 250-kilometre desert ultramarathons in the hottest, coldest, driest and windiest deserts on earth, carrying 25% of my body weight on my back. I started pretty much injured and at the back of the pack and I finished third on the podium and top 10 overall in the final race. Like Sometimes like not being as good, it means you're a bit more cautious. You adapt your body over time and you build and you become freaking fiery and strong and you really want it because you had to work hard for it. People who get things too easy, I, I guarantee you their grit has not been cultivated in their past life. And so you do have a winning edge because of your suffering, because of your story. You just got to know how powerful it can be in a different scenario. Oh, oh. I just, I'm like smiling and cheering and cause Sam, I believe what you believe. I believe that you, the, the body, the physical body and the mind are capable of like mm. just busting out of the container that we keep it in. And, and I get it, you know, from our worldview and our belief system and our experiences and trauma and the stories. And, you know, it's, I'm not saying that it's uh, easy, but I, every, everyone can do it. Yeah. You can you can do it. And I tell my story all the time because people will look at my training and they'll say, well, you were just, you were always strong or you're different or 
you know, you're the outlier. And to, to share the story about, well, no, actually, like I was flat on my back on the floor. I couldn't get up. I was in pain. I couldn't even lift 20 kilos off the floor. And then I went to clean and jerking, you know, 80 kilos. Uh, and just the to tell the story, and this is why I wanted to start with it, it's so powerful. Mm. Uh, one, we need to be aware of our own stories. And then if we can't change them, we need to find people that can help us change them. Uh, yeah. I, mean, that's, and- I'm a, I believe in coaching on so many levels. Like, I mean, I was a lawyer by trade initially. Uh, and so, like, I've always been someone that um, understands the power of professional services or experts in their area because you can't do everything. You can't be everything for yourself. Um, and so like, I have a coach, like, and I always think it's wacky when coaches themselves don't have a coach because so do I. I, yeah, I prescribe to that methodology. Like I need it. Like I need to be coached and supported as much as the women in my tribe need to be coached and supported by us. Um, and so it's really, I think it's so powerful. And that's why the more, you know, we t- we'll talk about female physiology at the end, but I get excited, the more coaches, the more female coaches who are talking about this. And, you know, there's a lot of people going, oh, but don't you feel like they're entering in your space? And I'm like, bloody fucking good. About time more people are talking about it. And the women that are um, connected to the way in which I do it will join our program. And then there'll be 10, 12, 15, hundreds of other women doing it. And there's more people who are heard and seen and it fits for them. So that's why I love that you jumped on our podcast and we can share your story. And then, you know, there'll be women in our group going, oh, my God, like, she's amazing. Like, she's my person. And they might give you a phone call and jump on your program. And I'm like, all to it. Um, And, yeah, so it's pretty exciting for me. Like, I just love it that I've lived that life so much and I still live it today. And, like, Beck's story is totally different. And so what she picks up on is different to me. And so, and sometimes you have more compassion when you've walked it and other times you can be more strict. Yes. And so we bounce on each other constantly because I'm like, she can do it. Like, come on, give us some tough love. And like, Beck's like, no, no, no. Like we've got to, we've got to help her and through this little sticky pit. And then other times Beck won't even see that it's a story. So it's really nice to be in partnership with someone else where, and I have no idea if the women in our group know, but like we really, like, as many women as we have in the, in the program, like we not try and understand as much of their story. And then this is the thing about committing. The more they give, the more we know, the more we can work on. So there are silent, you know, participants in the program who are, you know, more the voyeuristic um, person in the Facebook community group. And they're, they're taking motivation, but they're not necessarily either giving parts of themselves, which also can then be motivation for other people. And that's fine. You do it the way that you want. But the women who put a lot into it and who share a lot, we then have a better idea of how to coach them. And I always say to people like the Facebook community group is the best way that you can get bespoke training in an online course. It's the best way. Yeah, well, because we're stronger together and it's so important uh, because if we think of it as a practice, you know, it's not just about the run, you know, and it's, it's about creating this whole strategy and practice. And one part of that is showing up 
And not just for the training session, but showing up in the community, showing up and sharing the story, because that is the only way that we can see you, that we can like Mm -hmm. listen and and coach you and help you uh, overcome, you know, overcome the story, overcome the bullshit, overcome the excuses, you know, like I honestly... No, no, I just, I feel feel like I needed to go 360 with the story of that woman who was terrified by the mobility. Like on the phone call, there wasn't like there was a resolution for her. Like I feel like she needed to be with that information. And then she jumped on the Facebook community group maybe like the next day and like shared that she was really mad. Like, and she shared it, but she kind of goes like, I'm, you know, I'm fearful. And she gave a bit more. And the women, oh my God, the support they gave her. Oh, I, I was like, I was watching it and I'm like, I don't need to intervene. Like she's getting it. She's getting like, like everyone was like, I found it really hard too. And don't, you know, we'll get better. And like, it's okay if you haven't done this for a while. Like, they gave her everything she needed. And now she has become one of our biggest advocates because it's just so beautiful to see someone's journey of I've come to this table with this or to this experience with this very, very strong belief about myself whether that belief is I'm great, I'm amazing, and that gets knocked down week one because, oh, I haven't learned to run at a level eight. I've always been running at level six. In fact, I've done my whole life at a level six. I don't know what it's like to be at capacity. Like it's an, it's an unraveling when you get in a holistic training program. Um, everyone's weaknesses come up at some point and then you realise like it's okay. Like it's, it's better to be the jack of trade. What is it, the jack of, um, um, you know, the jack of... I'd rather be the jack of mm. someone's like going to be like, it's the jack of blah, blah, blah. the yeah. master of none, the jack of everything and the master of none, something like that. Is it the jack of all trades? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, please, can you edit my total inability to get this analogy right? No, no, no. We got there. See, we're just, we're about supporting each other. <laughs> yeah. And I think like holistic training kind of teaches you that. And there'll be some areas where you are the master but it's like crossfit athletes i sometimes watch the crossfit games and go did they train to do that like how did they know how to do that and i'm sure they did that i wouldn't be surprised if there is every now and again a certain workout that they just have not done but they've done enough of different things of different stimulus to be able to bring that into that moment and it might not be their best thing but they can do it and so when I, I'm not like, yay, CrossFit, but like when I see that, I'm like, you are really holistic athletes. Like you're forced to do a 10K run and then you're asked to do like clean and jerks and all that kind of stuff. And I do admire that because I didn't grow up like that and I'm trying to become that now. Yeah. And it's, it's really important to build that foundation, you know, to have mm. a practice that is holistic you know that works on range of motion and mobility that works on stability that works on strength that works on endurance like all of these things are important now it doesn't mean you know sometimes we can't do them all all the time but uh, we can definitely create this practice that uh, we can have things that we love and enjoy so maybe someone loves running but they find mobility work hard but you need to do mobility work. <laughs> you really you know, do. Yeah, if you want a, a strong body, a resilient body, a capable body that can take you through your runs. Uh, and take you through your life. And take you through your, life. your life. Like that's what I think. Like I, I know what run does to me 
like how it makes me feel. And so like I've never been obsessed with actually the action of running. I've been obsessed with how it makes me feel. And so I've always been like, if someone's like, how long will you run? Well, um, and I'm like, well, as long as I keep feeling that way. Um, and if I don't feel that way, then I'll probably find another mode of movement because it's, the, it's, a, it's movement and for me it's also in nature. It's the connection of the two. So when I was pregnant and I um, got diagnosed with a condition called postular tachycardia syndrome, which for other people they might know as POTS, my heart rate would soar, my blood pressure would drop. I couldn't, like for 25 weeks, I couldn't drive a car. I couldn't be on my, my own. I collapsed and passed out regularly and ended up in hospital. I had portable ECG monitor. It was a, in many respects, a fall from grace or a fall from what I knew myself to be. You know, we have these visions of ourselves, like, and my vision was, I'm going to be one of those heart pregnant ladies <laughs> strutting herself with her big belly on the trails <laughs> and the tight singlet top and the hair flick. And I'm like, mate, if I can like get through this day without passing out, that is a win. And I had a lot of people say, how did you cope with not running? And I'm like, I'm just trying to breathe here. <laughs> I'm just trying to breathe. And I didn't miss running because it literally was not in my world at that point. Like it just seemed, how can you miss something when you know it's so not right for you? And I said it to some people, like sometimes running is not right for you. You've got other stuff going on. But for me, I needed to still find a way to be in nature because I needed that connection. I needed to be grounded. I find it restorative. And I also find it energizing. I love it when you can find something both restorative and energizing at the same time. Like there's a lot of activities that are just like, it's energizing, but there's no restoration. And hiking in nature does that for me. And sometimes like slow jogging in nature does it for me as well but like hiking really does so my husband and I like I felt like I had had to have a carer at all times but like when I was not in a bad like elevated heart rate I was able to do that um but it's you know we change the older we get and our demands become different and we like we are too rigid in what we used to do or in how we used to think we're not honoring the woman that we've become um, and we're not honouring this new phase of our life as well. So don't be too dogged on your past stories, on your past experiences. Use them as tools and weapons, but then constantly keep going. And this is the next best plan. Like, who am I now? And what is the scenario in front of me? And let's honour that and adapt to that. And then adaption itself. Like I say my greatest strength is that I can adapt, but my weakness or my acknowledgement is it takes me time to adapt. Um, yeah. And that time, I mean, it's like, it's also realistic. Like I can't just go into a, like I'm not great in big groups, but I can adapt to that big group, but it takes me time. And I said to you before, like, like part of my realisation is like I'm a little bit of an oddball. Like, um, you know, I'm, I beat the, my own drum <laughs> and like, it takes me time in big groups to also get over that like, oh, you don't belong story that I had in my head as a kid and go, that's okay. Like you being exactly you, it's actually really great now. Um, and probably it was great when I was younger, but I just didn't own it. I tried to change myself to fit with the mass. Uh, and I think kids are better than anyone else at picking out when someone's not being authentic. 
And that's what I think often gets you bullied as a kid. Like if I walked around and I was like, this is who I am. I don't care. Like I might not have been everyone's cup of tea, but paper would be like, oh, that's Sam. That's who she is. As opposed to being conflicted with like, I think she's that, but actually she's demonstrating all these other things. And that's confusing. So long way of saying like, I take time to adapt. And a part of that adaption process is sometimes a bit of embarrassment Um, requirement of humility, um, getting it wrong, suffering, Um, because when we go from things that we do know to things that we don't know, it's really icky and uncomfortable. And before we started recording, you said to me, a lot of people don't do something because they think it's hard. Well, I will put a caveat to that. I think a lot of people do try things because it's hard, because it's exciting, but then once it gets hard, they want to quit because they didn't expect hard to feel yuck yes I'd love to talk about this a little bit um like the mobility story the just like you said when we try something new uh Mm -hmm. it's exciting and it's sexy you know and then we actually realize how hard it is and like, I want to be an ultra marathoner. Yes. Which is why I want to bring in a bit of conversation around like timelines and how long it actually takes. Uh, Because often we have these expectations on ourselves uh, and, you know, to get from A to B, uh, we, we sometimes not, we, we don't want it to take too long, you know, and then we don't want to suffer the discomfort also. <laughs> uh, or we start and then we realize that this is really hard. And so that stops us. Um, and this is where this piece around, like, how do you support someone to like, let's develop some grit, like let's develop some consistency, some focus, some, you know, determination, some discipline, because, you know, we're going to have to move through the hard uh, to, to get closer to be. I mean, you just said it really beautiful then. I wish I could have, well, it's going to it's recorded. I can just grab this excerpt and like just stick it into my group. I'm like, Amy, Amy said this. <laughs> um, I take a slightly different approach um, and it's, the, it's something we say all the time. Like we go, we're after progress, not perfection. And we keep reminding the women in our group that progress is not linear. And it's kind of like how we also talk about our menstrual cycle. It's not linear at the same time, but so is your progression towards something. Uh, It's why we have deloading weeks because in order for us to progress, we need to go backwards. And I hate to say the word backwards, but we go, we deload in order to give our bodies time to adapt. And some people just take different phases to adapt to, like they need a little bit longer And this is where, and here is my thing to everyone listening who has ever done an online program has been coached. You know yourself better than anyone else. And once you have the tools and the framework, you have to give yourself agency to go, I am being coached. They know, they know so well, but I'm probably not telling them everything. And if I'm not telling them everything, they probably can't do the modifications, I have to give myself agency to do that. So if you need an extra recovery day, take an extra recovery day. But you have to ask yourself, am I, because here's the thing, like I have this, um, back to a story, um, I did a race in the Kimberleys a couple of years ago. It was a 100K race and it was just after I'd run 222Ks in India. 
And so I was backing up 100Ks after 222Ks in a pretty short time. But the 222Ks was quite slow because it was at elevation. So it, was at, it peaked at 6,000 metres above sea level. So that's 18,000 feet. And it averaged at around 4,500 metres. So my pace was quite slow. So my body wasn't actually as sore at the end as it might be for a 100K race. So that's why I felt that I was tapping into a different engine to do it. And I was being opportunistic, but so be it. The gun went off and within the first 10 Ks, it was a big fire. There was a big fire. And I remember seeing it and like, of course, alert bells are ringing. And I'm like, should I, should I be racing where there seems to be a bushfire? That doesn't seem right. And then I'm like, Sam, you're just trying to, you're trying to give up. Like you're hurting because this is hard. Just keep pushing through, kept pushing through. And then I literally had a, I had a roaring fire, like roaring fire, maybe 400 metres to my right. And I was with a mate at the time and we're like, we have to run through this field so quickly to get to the other end. And there's all these big rocks under tall grass and we belted, we belted through this section. I can't believe we didn't sprain an ankle, but we got through to it. And then we got onto this road and we're like, oh, my God, I can't believe we just got through that. Like we made it away from the fire. And then we saw a race official and we're like, it's a really big fire. We don't think anyone should go through there. She took note and then off we went. We went about another 60K where we actually got stopped by another fire. Now, that fire on my right that we escaped ended up burning a series, maybe like five or six athletes, like severe third-degree burns. Um, you know, for any of your listeners, you might have heard Turia Pitt and Kate Sanderson. That was the race. And it's that moment where, like, that for me was the difference between, yes, Sam, like this is not good for you versus keep pushing because you don't want to be weak. And it was a really big lesson for me. Is like you have to you have to have a really good hard talk to yourself and go, like, like is my desire there and is and and I'm just taking the easy route out or is something in my brain telling me like I need a break or I need to ease off or I need to go back to week three because I'm not ready to go to week five like these are constant questions that you should have with yourself and asking your coaches like kind of explaining the lay of the land and they can guide you and we've had many women who will like have emailed me and they think I'm just not sure and then I go you know what just come back from injury. Let's just repeat this and see how you feel versus going on and then breaking. But you only know through trial and error. The more you put yourself in these like points of extension and hopefully you never experience something like running past a fire or not. Like that was a very life and death scenario. They're not normally those kind of things, but sometimes they can be the difference between taking another recovery week or getting injured you know, or putting yourself in a chance of injury. And so I'm probably a slightly more cautious athlete because of that, because I do think the long game, remember, I'm the diesel engine. Um, I'm the diesel engine that wants high performance through that way versus I would rather you be that than be at the pointy end for too long. And I think that's indicative of the type of athletes that I train. Like I don't really want to train an Olympian because I don't want to play with that fine line too much. I like working with women who, and Beck probably likes that, but I like working with women who also 
um, maybe are mothers or professional professional women that have a lot of things going. And the greatest comment that we got the other day was from a woman who goes, I went into this program thinking, how can I possibly, I have no free time. Like how can I carve the time to, to do all that? And she goes, now I believe you absolutely can carve this time when you want to do it. And um, I yes. think sometimes you don't know how much you want it until you see the benefits of it. Yeah. And so put your skin in the game. Put yes. your skin in the game to realise how great it makes you feel and sometimes how shit it makes you feel, but sometimes you've got to feel shit in order to feel good. So you've got to go through enough cycles of something to see the development of it. Yeah. I honestly believe that we all need to be playing the long game. You know, I think mm. it's, it's, re- and that's why we need to be taking the long way home. Uh, yeah. And I also believe that sometimes we just got to take the action to find the motivation. It ain't coming to us sometimes, especially when it's really hard. Yeah. It's just not going to be like served up. Like here's your motivation to start this hard thing. It's like, okay, we need to like, put like our team around us. Yes, we need to like look at our obstacles, create a plan, put some effort in. We need to set all these, like pretty much a strategy, yeah? Having, I believe that we can't do anything well if we don't have a strategy and a plan. Not saying that it's always going to go to plan, but to help us start, it's definitely important. And yeah, then, I realised that I didn't even answer your question. No, that's all. okay. I kind of that's okay. Something different. But I, I, in terms of that question of like when people um, find it hard, to like completely be in it, it's a it's a hard thing because I think if you don't want to do it as much as I tell you as a coach it's not going to happen so my first thing is like you've got to trust the people you've got to cr- trust the plan so if you work with a coach choose someone that you trust and if you don't trust it get out because it's not going to work yeah because um, you're not going to follow their program because you're going to let the excuses build up because you don't like that session so you can tease out a scenario by asking why, like, why do we do what we do? And like, hopefully you're not just getting like a shit answer, like, because it's good for you. <laughs> like hopefully you're getting an understand. It's important to understand someone's methodology um, because, you know, we hear the word holistic training a lot right now, but people don't explain why <laughs> holistic training is good or what does it really mean? And the main thing I say with holistic training is, like you are evoking different stimulus through your body to become stronger and more robust and more resilient. You're firing like parts of like your fast twitch and your slow twitch, and then you're supporting your mobility so you can run longer and run faster and prevent injury at the same time. You're building strength so your so your trunk is strong to take the loading of all those repetitive steps that you do again and again and again in the same position. Yeah. So we build like a holistic training program so you can do what you love for as long as you can and on top of it so you can also find other loves and other strengths at the same time as well. We're rounding you as humans as well as we're rounding you as athletes. And so for me, like holistic training is about that. It's about seeing the long game. And so when, you know, if you just want me to make you really fast, like I'm probably like, 12 weeks to do 21 Ks, I still think is really fast. And we do everything based on time because everyone comes to the table with different paces and abilities. And I think women need time programs are really great because it allows us to schedule. It allows us to go, I don't know how long today it's going to take me to run 20 Ks. And if I go on a different trail, it might take me like four hours, depending on how it is. And if I'm having a bad day. So we do time so women can schedule it so they can carve that time out for themselves and work with their supportive networks and families. Um, And one thing I would say is whenever you embark on a new goal, 
you need to communicate your desire and the kind of the time commitment it takes to do that goal with the people in your life. Because I think sometimes people like your support team, they get sprung on it and all we want from them is support. But people can't support you if you don't explain to them. Like some people can, but for the most part, like people aren't mind readers and they've got their own stuff going on and their own like, you know, looking after the kids or whatever it is or doing work. So you've got to work with the teams that exist as well as the teams that you're connecting into through the program. Yeah. And when you speak about this, this doing things by time and communicating, you know, uh, to your team, all of these things are like effort and planning to break down obstacles because these are obstacles. Like, you know, I don't have the time or, you know, I like whatever is coming up. Yeah. Whatever the obstacles are or the story, what you're talking about is like as coaches and through the program is that you're helping them break that down by going, you know what, we're going to give you a time-based program because we're setting you up for success with effort and planning. This is achievable which is, I think, so cool. Yeah, and, like, you've probably seen it too. Like, I love that, like, we don't give all the tools and tactics. Like, we give a lot. Um, But then the Facebook community group, like, I remember when um, a lot of women are afraid to run at nighttime. I totally get it. And a lot of women also, um, when it gets to the end of the day and they might have, like, if they haven't got their run in earlier on or their strength sessions, when you get back into the home family environment, it's really hard to then go, I'm going to take myself out of that particularly if I'd been at work all day or, you know, for whatever reason, guilt or, you know, whatever, momentum, you know, uh, inertia even. <laughs> like, yeah. And so energy, you're out of energy. energy. You're on a low battery. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember one day one of our women kind of like she put up a photo of her head torch and she goes, I got home, it was dark, I had a big day at work, the kids were screaming and I was like fearful of running outdoors. I just freaking grabbed my head torch and I went and she took it and she had a photo of herself and she goes, and I actually feel great. I gave myself 40 minutes and I came back and I had all this energy and excitement and pride at myself for doing it. And that made the rest of the night so much better as well versus how bad I would have felt if I didn't do the session. Like I kept this narrative of I can't do this. I can't do this. It's too hard. But 40 minutes is not long. Like a lot of sessions like are only 20 minutes long or 40 minutes long you know like it's so crazy for us as women to think that we don't have 40 minutes um like I do I'm not sure if you do retreats but I do retreats that ask women to take six days out of their lives um and I'm just like for you to not think that you can't take six days out of your life into an experience that is going to be so soul enriching and nourishing for you and there's going to be so many benefits for you coming back but also for your family we really need to rejig your mindset if you don't think that you can take six days off. Like the cost is something different, but if you can't give yourself the time um, and build into it, like it's not like I'm asking you next week to take six days off, but um, I think I, I, I still do a lot of adventures and I have a family, I have a son, um, my husband, he works, we both work, but I would say maybe two, three times a year I go off grid. Um, and I have so many people who go, oh, how did you how did you make that happen and my answer every time is like I made it happen no one's going to give me six days to walk out like no one's even my husband who knows it's good for me and now he sometimes goes maybe it's time for one of those (laughs) but like most of the time like I have to instigate it you know like it's no one likes to break the routine in which you have um and so like no one's going to go 
here I'm giving, I'm quarantining you six days and I've got the family and I've got everything under control. Like you've got to do it. Um, And I'm like so happy for it and I don't have guilt for it. I mean, maybe I have a little bit of guilt for it, but like I work through that. (laughs) Um, But I just know it's so good. And my son gets time with my husband and they have an incredible relationship, which sometimes I get a little envious about, but um, it's, it's healthy. And it's just like I also tell my husband, you need to go on a surfing trip with the guys. COVID's obviously really derailed a lot of these things. Um, but I think the biggest part of that for women is knowing what is your version of self-care. And um, for me, that's what it is. Like I need to go off grid. Um, I've got a couple of mates that I, like we don't take phones unless we have a sat phone and we go out into the mountains and we'll go hiking or running and sleeping under a tent and in a tent. And that's what I like to do. And I'm so nourished by that experience that I'm just, it's amazing. And I think about it and I love it. And it's, you know, but Mark wants to be off with his boys and go surfing and like having a couple of beers and like eating junk food or whatever it is. Like we all have our own self-care and the more you really nail it down and go, I'm not the kind of person that needs to go and do spa dates. I don't need to go and get my nails done. Like that's not my version of self-care. So know you and give you you. Yes, yes. And that's hard It's because we don't. You know, we yeah. have spent most of our lives disconnected from ourselves, from our body, which, which is where I want to finish off. As you said before, you know, advocate for yourself and take ownership. And I think it's really hard to do that when we actually don't know ourselves and we don't know our bodies. Um, and so... A lot of women don't feel confident and don't trust their body. So they don't know how to listen to it. They don't know if they should take that rest day or if they are just being lazy or if their body, you know, does actually need the rest. And and then we just create all these like loops and stories and we get really confused and really overwhelmed. And I believe it starts back with our physiology and understanding our body. So this is where I kind of want to bring it into is, you know, we were never really taught about our cycles and our physiology. We're never taught how to listen to your body. I can't remember anyone sitting down and be like, okay, like, you know, we're going to learn how to listen to our body. And that might seem like, you know, for some people, well, yeah, like I know how to listen to my body, but most women don't know how to listen to their body. Yeah, and because before you even brought up female physiology and you said women don't know, like if they need a rest day or, and the first thing I was going to go is track, track, journal, journal, journal. And then you said physiology and I'm like, it makes sense because it's the same thing. You don't, some people are quite intuitive and maybe they don't have to track as much, but I would say for most of us to pick up patterns, we need to document. Um, And documentation and like the facts takes us away from the narratives that are conjured in the mind that might not be its perception, not necessarily reality. Yeah. So know you, to know yourself is to grab thy journal <laughs> and to document thy journal. <laughs> and, and, you know, I totally think we should still do that journal idea. Like imagine if we did a collab of creating a yeah. journal and, like, and had the questions that we put in our journal of like um, how do you feel when you wake up? Um, you know, do you have any, you know, obviously like the specific questions you can ask when you're menstruating, like menstruating, but there's questions every day that we can ask ourselves. Um, And it's like, am I feeling sluggish today? And then how much did, how much fluid did I have in the morning? Or did I move last night? Also like movement intake, um, mental space. And you only need 
two or three cycles documented to start to pick up patterns. And then I would suggest you make one change at a time because then you can then see, okay, we get one change next month. What was the journal shaking? And once again, we're talking about the long game. We're yes. talking long game. Like to know thyself takes time. Another way of accelerating that is to doing experiences beyond our known. So um, it's why I think I know myself as well as I do because my mid-20s were all about, I did like a, I didn't realise it was so much so at the time, but I did what I called a yes quest. Mm. Um, and I did it because I realised I said no to a lot of things based on fear. And I'm like, I can't live my life like that. The more you say no uh, and you're lucky to get, I mean, you're lucky if someone gives you an opportunity that you even have a choice to say yes or no to. But the more you say no, the less those opportunities start to come and the less you seek to create the opportunities. Mm. So my mid-20s became about yes, yes, yes. So I did like, I did circus arts in like the desert um, with Indigenous children. I went and went backpacked around the US. Um, I went and worked in a capital defence office in Texas. I did my first marathon, which it was the marathon that was like the transitioning transformational experience that then changed my life but if I hadn't done a whole series of stuff I wouldn't have realized it now caveat when you're in your 30s as a woman there's the power in knowing when to say no so I do feel like 20s it's a really great time to start to say yes but once you become clarity on who you are through all these vast experiences the power is learning to say no so you can spend more time on the things that you really love um, but that's only when you know yourself. Like otherwise, you know, you're just limiting the connection that you get with people, the depth, the understanding that you have of yourself. It's like you, I always say a relationship needs to know the four seasons. Like before you say yes to getting married, you want to know that you can write out the four seasons. And I feel like you also need to know the four seasons of yourself. Yes. Oh, we could talk forever should we end it there we'll end it there I think yeah also it's not easy you know all of this is not easy work knowing yourself listening to your body it's hard just like the mobility practice it's going to be uncomfortable but the more you do it the easier it becomes and then when you learn about your body and you learn about yourself well so powerful yeah, it is. And I, I just think also with all of this stuff that we're talking about, like I've learned now the greatest thing is to have grace with myself because a lot of women are very hard on themselves. We feel like we need to know all the answers about knowing ourselves so much because we're such reflective human beings. Yeah. Um, but be kind. I think more likely you're not being kind to yourself. So kindness and grace. And with those two things, it gives patience and therefore we can do that work which is so good for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and you can correct me, but I think when we're talking about knowing yourself, we're not talking about, okay, you do the work and then one day you just know yourself and then you can just move on. We're talking about long game. We're talking about the long way home of like knowing yourself is choosing every day, choosing every day to listen, choosing every day to track, choosing every day to take time for yourself. It's not like, okay, I'm going to do the work. I know myself. And then, okay, I could, I could get to where I want to go. It's like, no, on the way to be, <laughs> know yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was such a delight, my dear. I know. I feel like we could do a whole series of these conversations. Yeah, Your we audience could. will be like, she's so convoluted. I don't know where she went. 
no, no, no. It was powerful. I just want to thank you for your, your time and your generosity and your knowledge. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaways.